Hey, it's Chris Urban. Welcome to the Triple Clicks Video Game Marketing Podcast. I had the pleasure to sit down with a multi-talented actor and now celebrity DM, Deborah Ann Wall. We had a fun conversation about her roles in True Blood and Daredevil, her amazing D&D show called Relics and Rarities, and how fun it was to play D&D with Kevin Smith for the first time. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Deborah Ann Wall, actor, dungeon master, storyteller. Thank you for doing this. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I appreciate you coming out. We've done a ton of stuff together, but I don't think we've <laughs> ever had time to like really sit down and spend time talking. So yeah. I think this will be fun. We're going to talk a little bit about the acting part, which has always been the majority of your life, as mm-hmm. you as you say. Uh, but then I really want to get into the good stuff. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. Um, you, uh, USC Mm-hmm. Graduate from the drama school, mm-hmm. uh, studied at Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts in London. Yes. Uh, how did you get into acting? Um, honestly, I can't remember a time when I didn't want to be an actor. Um, I, you know, there's like home video of me in like a turtle outfit with my little patent leather tap shoes on doing performances for my mom. So awesome. it's just something that's has been in me from the start. Um, so yeah, I started doing plays in middle school and more steadily in high school, and then. Decided that that was the be all end all of my everything, and <laughs> uh, I remember going to my mother and asking, like, so when you go to college, do you have to take like English and history and all the things? She's like, yeah, usually in the beginning. And I said, okay, well then I don't want to go. And uh, <laughs> she said, our, like fun. <laughs> she did not like that. My mother is a teacher, so education is very important to her. So our agreement was that I did have to go to college, but that I could go to um, a conservatory. I could go to college and do nothing but act. And that was essentially what I found in USC and RADA. Yeah. You were born in Brooklyn. Did you grow up and you spent most of your time there? Yeah. Yeah. First 18 years of my life. So you jumped out here. What was that experience like? It was good. I I didn't want to stay in New York again. I mean, obviously there are great theater schools in New York, Mm -hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I wanted to leave. I chose USC less for LA. And more because they started you acting right away. So many programs won't let you act your first year. Uh, you have to wait till your sophomore or junior year before you can do the plays. And I was like, what is that about? Like, mm-hmm. I'm going because I want to do this and I want to do it imperfectly. Uh, so I love that USC, they put on productions that were the same level as professional productions around the country. And you started right away. Uh, and I loved that. And and when I went to the orientation, they asked as many questions of us as we asked of them. And I enjoyed that collaborative environment. Yeah. And when you graduated, mm-hmm. did you go to London right after that or were you working? No. So London I did in the summer. It okay. was, I, I went and did a semester there between my sophomore and junior year. Gotcha. Um, they, it was a, a classical Shakespeare uh, program that I did there. So um, that was amazing to go and do that in his, <laughs> his birthplace and visit the Globe and see everything that summer and it was just fantastic. My parents are at the Globe as we speak. Are they my really? Are, yeah, my dad just literally texted me, hey, here's here's the Globe and ah, Legos. Like, so like my dad's a huge it. Shakespeare fan. So When I was there while well, Rylance, it was one of his last few years running the Globe and wow. so I saw him in a number of things and, and just, I mean, he's one of the greatest living yeah, actors. That's amazing. So you you got some great roles early. I mm-hmm. saw Catch 44, you were working with Bruce Willis and Forrest Whitaker. You <laughs> you're like, which was a fun movie. I'm amazed you know about it. Uh, I'm the only People I know who've seen it are like my parents. No, I, no, it was really. It's actually, I, I actually, I've seen it and I actually watched the trailer again. Oh yeah, and it's a great trailer. Like they should re-release <laughs> that. It looks like fun. My except my the biggest thing I wanted to talk to you yeah. about, and then no one probably talks to you about this is uh, my name is Earl. Is what my. <laughs> 
favorite shows. I grew up a Kevin Smith and yeah. Jason Lee fan. I thought that was a fun show. What was that like to be on a comedy? Yeah, we're like one of the few comedies I've ever been a part of, like official comedies. Oh, it was really fun. I was I was so young and so green and new to the whole business and world. Uh, but they were great. You know, they'd been doing that show for so many years at that point. And I just got to come in and be silly and like eat French fries really fast and uh, hang out with Ethan. And it was just a, it was a good time. Uh, and my boyfriend is a huge Alyssa Milano fan, like has had a crush on her his whole life. So he was very jealous that I got uh, to work right. with Alyssa. Yeah, so there you go. Um, <laughs> and then the big moment was Jessica Ambry on True yeah. Blood. How, uh, how did you land that and what was that experience like? So that came quickly. Um, after school, my plan was actually to go back to London and start working in theater there as best I could. Um, but I ended up getting representation, and since I was staying the summer, they were like, why don't we send you up for some things? And I ended up booking True Blood, so I did not go to London, uh, but stayed into that, that job. So that was originally a two-episode recurring part mm. with maybe some idea that they might bring her back from time to time. Uh, but I think it, it landed well, and the idea of um, uh, Stephen's character, Bill, having a daughter and having to struggle through that, mm-hmm. I think, really appealed to the writers. So they asked me to come back as a full-time recurrent, so full-time like, regular. You're like the Aaron Paul of True Blood. Is he, that how yeah, that Yeah, he was only one season. He was supposed to die in the first was two episodes. Was he really? And then he ended up sticking and kind of... He's the yeah, secondary lead. Yeah, last, I'm shocked. All That's the way amazing. Through that. Joe Manganiello, who's Yay. obviously co-friend. <laughs> I, I remember that you didn't know he played at the time when you guys were on the show together. We didn't... If you go back and watch True Blood, we didn't actually work together very much. I think we had one scene where we actually interacted at all, and that was like the scene, spoiler alert, that he died. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't really spend a lot of time together. We knew each other, and we were friendly, but it wasn't until after that that uh, I knew he played and he knew I played, and then he's the reason... Um, because I was very nervous. I had been asked by some people in the D&D community to come and do things that beforehand, and I turned you down. Uh, you, we, couldn't, we couldn't get to you, to be honest with you. Like, you're a big superstar. And we're like, <laughs> we, really. I heard she likes D&D. Let's try and get her to do it. And like, we'd crickets. And we were on the phone. We were, I think we were having lunch with Joe, and he's like, yeah. what do you guys want to do in season two? And we are like, well, we really want Deborah Wall, but she won't, she won't return a call. So he's like, oh, I can solve that. So he, you're not wrong. He Because he was doing it, that made me feel more comfortable, and like I'd have a friend. I think I think maybe Critical Role had asked me at one point or something like that. And I went on whatever platform it was. It might have been Twitch, whatever it was. And it was so confusing for me to find because I'm not a part of that world. And I've always been very sensitive to the comment uh, part of this business, that, that people can watch what we do and then comment viciously upon it without any repercussions. And True. The live commenting that was going on during the game really terrified me because I was still so new and this felt like such a safe place, mm-hmm. D&D, for me. I was not ready to like open that little safe make-believe world to comments, you know? Sure. Uh, so when Joe was there and I went, oh, you know, and, and he's vouching for the professionalism of the environment and I agreed and I had so much fun. Yeah. And I remember at the time saying, oh, I'm so glad that I was brave and I stepped out into that world and I'm so grateful to Joe for being someone to hold my hand. And now it's just like ballooned into this secondary career practically. Yeah, no, I, we'll, we'll get into that. I've got a, got a bunch <laughs> More of comments. More questions. About, yeah, no, I think it's great. Did you... 
I heard a rumor that when you were on set that you were making the makeup girls play D&D with you. you oh, on Daredevil, uh, yeah. On Daredevil? Is yeah. that what it was? So on, on True Blood, I would play alone in my trailer. Uh, really? With I, was Janina? No, not with not, Janina. I, she didn't start playing with me until long after True Blood. Oh, uh, really? Um, I would play alone. I would just... I was playing... Oh, Whatever the the edition four starter kit that game, I would play that alone in my trailer. I'd play three different characters at the same time, and just run it just to get a better feel for the game. Yeah, and then uh, when someone at, opened your trailer door, would you hide everything? No, I was you, perfectly was, fine with just it. Just nobody was into it. Like it yeah, just, it wasn't, I just you didn't couldn't know find anybody was to, playing. Yeah, and I wasn't ready to like you know bring anyone else in yet from that world. Sure. Uh, so then, yes, on Daredevil, by then I was fully converted and obsessed and would talk to anyone about it who wanted to, and I would make characters, again, in, in our downtime on set. So I was able to uh, recruit the makeup department and That's hair awesome. department, and they came and played D&D with me a couple times. That's awesome. I, and I did see, and we'll get to Charlie Cox <laughs> with Charlie as well. What was that like, joining the Marvel Universe? Like, I'm a, I grew yeah. up a huge Daredevil fan. I sure. still I have the Frank Miller runs and, mm. and all the stuff that they used to do, and I, I went and got the Kevins and read through your yeah. death and Kevin's all Kevin's <laughs> lines. That, I've forgiven him. I know. I like. <laughs> I like the. Uh, I like when you had him on. Um, what was it like with Charlie? Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio was spectacular yeah, in that first is. season. Was amazing, and even John when you were yeah. John Renthal when you're doing Punisher. What was it like to be in the universe and how fun was that? Um, it was cool. You know, I'm. I don't come from a comic book world or having grown up on any of that, so it didn't. It didn't mean sort of that to me in this in the same way that I think it, it would for the fans. Um, but, you know, as soon as I got the job and there were all these incredibly credible and talented people involved, you know, I went back and I read some of the runs that they were uh, drawing inspiration from. And I, I was very happy because female characters in the comic book world have been sort of evolving in their the treatment of and, and their agency within. And I was very pleased that the creators involved with comic books, and this might be a testament to that genre, are always very open to evolution. You know, even the fact that you have what if comics, you know, and there's one with what if Karen Page hadn't died, you know. Uh, they're open to these characters that were established decades and decades ago to, to evolving and changing. And our Karen Page doesn't look a lot like Stan Lee's Karen Page, but that's okay. And I was so appreciative of how open they were to allowing me and the new writers and showrunners who came on to to change her up and make her exciting and different and uh, new. Yeah. No, I thought that was great. Did you ever get a chance to meet Stan? Was he ever on No, set? I never did uh, get to meet him. Yeah. I got to meet him at a convention one time. Yeah. It was just so... So amazing just yeah. to be around it. It was amazing. I mean, he's created something, uh, even though I mean, obviously he didn't create the idea of comic books, he's certainly elevated it and brought yeah. it into the mainstream in a way no one else has. Yeah, no, for sure. So how did you how did you start in D&D? What was your first kind of experience and how did you get into it? I'd always known about it and I'd always been curious about it, but it had felt like an exclusive club that I couldn't join. So I could never find anyone who would teach me or bring me in. And I think that's been a lot of my motivation now that I am in the club, <laughs> so to speak, uh, of breaking down that barrier and saying, hey, look, we should all play. And even if it's just you and a bunch of newbies and none of you know how to play, still get a book and try it. Uh, but I had at the time, my manager had been playing his whole life. And uh, when he found out I was interested, he offered to run a game for me and my friends. And we played that for a few years. And I wanted to play more and more. And it's really hard to ask 
people to write material for you or run material for you. So I started to learn how to dungeon master so that I could run Joys games the challenges myself. to find the DM or find the game. Yes. Which, you know, historically it's been tougher. Now with the internet and stream, and you yeah. can keep your, you can move, but keep, still keep your game with scope. Yeah, you can. It, there's, for me at least personally, the, the there's not quite as much, much magic as when you're at the table with people. So that's my preferred setting. But absolutely, all the years that I was living in New York and working on Daredevil, I kept my games going through Roll20 and yeah. streaming and yeah. What do you love about it? Well, like what, what? Mm-hmm. kind of keeps you coming back. So I might be a little different from other Dungeons & Dragons players. I'm not a big role play person despite being an actor. Uh, that's not really what brings me in. I am not a Tolkien fan or a fantasy fan. That isn't really what brings me in. For me, I was a math and science geek when I was a kid. I love problem solving. So that's what it is for me. Dungeons and Dragons is one big puzzle. So as a dungeon master, that's my favorite thing to do. My thing my favorite thing to do is say, "All right, you're in a room, there's a deep dark endless cavern, you can't see the bottom of it and a balance beam that disappears in the dark. What do you do?" And I as a player, that's so exciting for me to use whatever tools I have at my disposal to solve that problem. And as a DM, I love setting up those problems and then watching the creativity of my players. That's interesting because I I think that's great. I think if you're DMing, you're telling the story. What's the cross between acting and Dungeons and Dragons? Because usually it's mm-hmm. the storytelling part. Mm-hmm. With acting, you're kind of given a place to go and you have to build that character and create mm-hmm. that world. Is that similar to, is it similar to playing D and D versus DMing or what's, what's the connection mm-hmm. between the two? I mean, for me, acting is problem solving as well. Yeah. You know, it's even with something, especially with something like Shakespeare or classical mm-hmm. theater where the, uh, the kind of constraints were different, you know, you'll say, well, I hate him on page one, but then you love him on page four. So the problem is, how do you how do you find how do you make that inconsistency work? Uh, that sometimes the human condition is very strange and sort of unexplainable, and you can only answer it by kind of accepting and jumping feet first. Um, so to me, acting is a lot of problem solving as well. Uh, whenever anything feels kind of off, rather than blaming the writer, I generally go, "Oh, cool! How do how do I actually make that part of the same person? Because yeah. we are contradictory." Uh, so I don't know. With the storytelling, it just feels like yeah. when you're acting, you're here's what it is for me. I'm a child at heart. I the best times in my life was like up until I was 12 years old, and I think. Everything I do in my life is about trying to get back to being that 12-year-old girl uh, who plays make-believe and believes in magic and has faith in herself and the world. And, you know, once we become self-aware, self-conscious, those pieces start to get kind of torn away from us. So acting is just me playing make-believe for the rest of my life. And D&D is that as well. It's being able to go back as close as I can to what we used to do as kids, uh, that innocent, um, fun and freedom, I think. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And everybody, we all love our youth, you know, the eighties culture is so big now and everything is, everything is about kind of getting back to those moments. I think that's a great way to put it. So that's interesting. I think the first time we worked together was on force gray season Mm -hmm. two, the one where Joe kind of brings you out. I think that's your first game that you played on camera. Yep. First time ever really 
being outed as a Dungeons and Dragons player officially, you know. I think we so for those who haven't seen it, which is still up on on YouTube, <laughs> we lock these we we lock these actors in a room for two straight days, and we tell really long stories, and then we chop it up into episodes. How was that? How was the experience of? I mean, it was cool because it was kind of controlled, right? And we had good people in the room, right? Uh, but what was it like gaming with? With the with the people and kind of knowing that this is going to camera and this is going to be out there, no live comments like <laughs> no uh, live like comments. the Twitch. I didn't have to worry about that. Um, well, first of all, it was Mercer who is the the king of sort of uh, home D and D. You know, bring it bring it and elevate it to something really special. And uh, and so to be able to start my journey with him, and he's also so nice. You know, like he's. He's like me in that he plays with his characters, not against them. Um, so I felt very well taken care of. And I think I was really nervous that I was going to be an amateur at the table, that I, I was going to not know as much as everyone else, especially because the lore behind D&D is, is, like I said, that's not really what interests me and brings yep. it to me. So I don't know about... It's not combat. Tiamat. It's... I don't know about the <laughs> like Battle of the Silver Marches. Like None of that really is what draws me in. So I thought, oh, no, I'm going to be exposed, uh, you know, a little bit of, um, what do they call that? Uh, like I'm a fraud or something like that. But the amazing thing was to sit down at that table and see that we all had varying levels of, of knowledge and also strengths and weaknesses. So, you know, Joe, who knows all about the lore and I may not, but I'm, you know, but I love the problem solving and can, I'm very, uh, spontaneous and we'll, we'll just reach my hand in a hole and lose it rather than <laughs> spend an hour talking about it. And, and so it was okay. No one judged me or thought that it was, I was playing wrong. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So when we when that's finished, we so the way we do those, so everybody knows, is we, mm-hmm. we lock you in a room, we do two days, mm-hmm. and then we leave kind of a hook at the end. So at the end of the last episode, there's a there's a hook. Yes. And then we finish the season live <laughs> somewhere. And so we actually finished it in your hometown. We in did Brooklyn. It in Brooklyn. It was nine hours long or something. That was not <laughs> what we scheduled. I promise you. That is like we had, I think, oh a four hour session and you guys just stayed and played. And ev- like the thing that blew me away was everyone the stayed. The audience stayed. Well, except my mother. So about six hours in, I had to go to the microphone and be like, Mom, can you please go home and feed my dog? Because I had not <laughs> planned to be gone that long. Uh, and luckily she already had. But my dad, who has never played really other than the little bits that I've shared with him, knows nothing about D&D, stayed for the full eight hours or and whatever it so was. People know, like, and so people it. understand this is in Brooklyn in yep. a warehouse yep. down by the water. I don't even it, I don't even think it was a, I can't even remember what neighborhood it was in. Um, it <laughs> Red was, Hook. Yeah, maybe, it wasn't yeah. even in Dumbo. It was just in a warehouse yeah. in a folding chair with <laughs> some, some waters in the corner with some yep. ice. So it was a really nice setup for four hours. It wasn't planned for nine hours. So good good for dad for sticking through yes, that. Yes, go dad. What was, uh, what was it like to play in front of a live audience? Did that feel different than the recorded sessions? bit. I wasn't that nervous about it, surprisingly. Uh, I had played a lot more myself in between the two and, and had really embraced. I think Force Grail, so the response had been very positive and welcoming yeah. again. So all of these fears that I had were slowly being uh, eliminated. Connecting and, back with a group and yes, a comfortable exactly. city and all those things. Which all is of that was really positive. And, and yeah, and then it was mostly our same team uh, from the from the second season. So it was good to see friends again and uh, bring these characters back. Didn't 
didn't Uchikara have a like a, a role the next morning? Well, didn't wasn't he shooting something? I think he like might have been. Eight, I think at eight a.m. he had a shoot or something. Yeah. For well, a film. he's a busy man. Even these last few years, he's in every cool movie out yeah. there. I thought it was that he was. I thought he was maybe shooting the marathon movie. Like I can't remember it's what possible. he was shooting the next day. But yeah. I was. He was like, I gotta go at certain time, yeah. and then like three hours later, he was. Well, even like Utkarsh is a fantastic example of someone who is not sort of integrated in the D and D lore and the world of it. In fact. Uh, you know, I don't even know how uh, uh, capable he is with the actual literal rules, but he's a fantastic player. He's funny and he's bold and he makes decisions and choices that are based more on his interest in the story and the and, and the game rather than strictly what his sheet says, which is my favorite way to play. Yeah, and I think that I think that's the fun thing about Dungeons and Dragons is you yeah. can. You, if you're with the right people, you can play it any way you want to Absolutely. play it. And everybody can kind of engage in different ways, which yeah. is the fun part. Um, after that, we we brought you out here and we did Stream of Many Eyes. And mm-hmm. that was actually the first time you publicly DM'd. Oh, my God. I was just like taking the steps two at a time there. I know. You were like, <laughs> I just am so excited about how we had, how we, we couldn't get to you. And then I like, <laughs> we're taking you all the way through everything. You are. Uh, Holding my hand. Publicly DM'd and you wrote your own adventure, which I people did. went crazy over that. I they love l- my Witch of Briar Left. They loved that. <laughs> uh, tell me the uh, what was the journey of doing that uh, first public DM, uh, and who was who's in your game? So I had uh, Matt and Marisha uh, from Critical Role, and then I had Tommy and Julia, who are friends of mine, uh, who were in my home group, and that was their first time ever playing. Oh, was, that first, was that Tommy's first time? Oh, Tommy yeah. from uh, Dungeon Dra- or I mean uh, from Daredevil. Daredevil. Yeah, um, I didn't know that was his first time. Yeah, too. so oh, okay. he and his wife was the first time they've ever played publicly in any way, uh, and then Kate Walsh from uh, Wizards. So we quite had, experienced. Yeah, so very experienced. So it was a great group. Again, very supportive group. And it was a 90-minute adventure, which, as anyone who runs D&D knows, is very hard to run a short adventure. Tough. Uh, and yeah, I I just got excited. I Nathan approached me about it. And again, I was nervous, but he, you know, he he was very good in saying, let's make sure you have people at the table that you're comfortable with and that you know, and you can write whatever you want, and really gave me a lot of freedom to do it in a way that felt uh, true to who what my style is. Because um, I'm not, uh, again, I'm not necessarily a fantasy adventuring type style. I like a little bit more, um, again, more playful, a little more youthful and innocent, and more fairy tales in, in, in that world, I think. Uh, creepy, creepy fairy tales. <laughs> so the so I just wanted to I wanted to take a little bit of credit for the journey because yes, we you do, should take credit. no, no, because there's a there's a good reason because we didn't have anything to do with the next chapter, which is spectacular. So <laughs> your first time playing recorded, first time in audience, first time publicly DM, yes. and then I turn around and you have a show Ooh. with Geek and Sundry called Relics and Rarities, which is a smash success <laughs> um, where you're actually hosting, DMing. You have a beautiful set. Oh. It was spectacular. We were so excited to oh, see thanks. it and see it come together. It was spectacular. Uh, how did uh, how did that all come together with Geek and Sundry? Wow. So they approached me and said that they wanted to do a new series that would draw a little bit of inspiration from their previous celebrity D&D idea. So the idea of bringing in a guest each week. Um, but they did want to start from scratch and say, other than that kind of conceit where we want six episodes 
with six different guest stars that has an arc that culminates in something at the end. Uh, other than that, they were kind of like, whatever you want to do. So I thought about it and I, I was feeling more confident and I had an idea of something that I thought would work that actually sort of inspired me this idea of, you know, well, how do you do a recurring story, a, a story that has a thread, but still allow a character to, to leave and change out every episode. And I thought that's a fun problem to solve <laughs> as a dungeon master. So I had this idea of doing an adventuring company. Um, and doing kind of like horcruxes maybe in Harry Potter. But, you know, that's an old idea that I think even Zelda, you know, you guys do video games. You need a map and a sword and a compass, and then you can go attack the bad guy. You need five keys to open one door to get in there. So kind of going on that idea of structure. Pretty good for a non-video game player. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Well, I think other people have made that comparison for me, (laughs) so I can't take total credit for that knowledge. Uh, so yeah, I, I had this idea and I put together this, they always make fun of me, kind of infamous 50 page, uh, booklet of notes and reference imagery and things like that, that I gave to them. And then I have to give full credit to Geek and Sundry for running with it and doing the production value, uh, end of it. It's amazing. Amazing what they came up with. And Every guest that's on the show spends, you, you have the, the post the relics reflections and everyone, everyone who spends the first three minutes talking about like, this set Look is this amazing. It's amazing. Like, um, yeah. And, and I think also because it was different because I wanted to do something that felt, felt a little more homey necessarily. It wasn't going to be a tavern. Uh, it was going to be an antique store. It was something that felt a little different, uh, in the world and, uh, so yeah, they really took it and ran with it and, you know, they check in with me from time to time, but I've really discovered that specificity and enthusiasm as a leader of, of a project goes a long way mm-hmm. that once I clearly, uh, uh, sort of translated my vision and what I was going for, everything they came up with was right on the line, right on brand or as, as, as you might say, yep. and, and was 10 times better than anything I could have actually designed myself. Um, so I have to give major credit to like Brad Bailey and, and his team in the scenic design and everything that they did, um, as well as Denise and TJ, our producers who really understood it and respected it and was able to know, take what was in your head yeah, to life. Cause I didn't, no one sent me like a, a a floor plan or anything like that. We just mm-hmm. talked about it. And when I walked in, I was like, yeah, this is what was in my head. Um, you know, I said like, it should be your grandmother's attic meets, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's the word I want for the show? Uh, are you afraid of the dark? You know, things like that. Sure. Again, like I was a kid in the nineties. So, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of early nineties, uh, horror for kids idea. Goosebumps. You're funny. Exactly. Goosebumps. Yeah. Um, so who, so who's the cat? Let's go through the daily cast on yeah, the show. Yeah. Regular cast. Yeah. Who's your regular cast? So we have Tommy Walker, uh, closest to the DM. I'm going to go down the line. Uh, Tommy was on the first season of daredevil and I met him at the rap party and he and his wife and I all became friends and his wife is Julia Dennis. Uh, she is also on the show. Mm-hmm. So Tommy plays Viros, who is our human fighter and Julia plays Annabella, who's our human bard. And they're very new to the game. Uh, like I said, the Witch of Briarcleft and then moving into Relics is really their first foray. And I'm so 
like proud and happy for them because they are now like bona fide Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> celebrities, and it's they're, very exciting. And they're for great me. on the show. They're I mean, fantastic really on the well. show. Julia is a, a player like Utkarsh, where she's so bold and she just makes these moves and has these incredible ideas that bring so much life and tension to the game. So I, I love playing with Julia. And then we have two incredible veteran players, which is Jasmine Bueller and Xander Genre. And you'll have seen them in the Twitch and Geek and Sundry universe. And they, they've dungeon mastered themselves. And they were a great addition because they, if we had a guest player or Tommy or Julia who had a question or need, needed help strategizing, they had these very experienced players uh, on their team, yeah. you know? Professional team. Yeah. Players. But they also never challenged my sort of leadership at all either. They were very open to whatever ruling or house rule that I had. Uh, so it was just a really warm group of people. And then every week we brought in a we new did. a new player. The thing that I, I loved about, and we'll go through the list, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of these people are playing for the first time. Absolutely never played D&D before. Never played D&D. And I think when I read through the comments of all the shows, I think <laughs> that was indeed, I don't even, you probably avoided all the comments. I did, yes. Yes. <laughs> Go it's too read, scary. Go read your comments. They're amazing. People <laughs> people were like, love you as an actress and thought you were an amazing D&D player. And there was a lot of like, I don't know who she is, but she's really, really good. Aww, um, nice. And I think the thing that worked the best was you made the people that had never played before mm-hmm. feel so comfortable, but you also made them feel like they you advanced their gameplay, obviously. Oh. It's really hard for new people to play. And you were so kind of nursing and bringing them through the story that like at the end Thanks. of, if you just jump in in the middle of the second episode with Kevin Smith, <laughs> like he looks like he knows what he's doing. Oh my God. I don't think, well, here's my thing about Kevin Smith. So with most other people, I was able to have a phone call or a lunch with them and say, here are the like basic, basic rules and the basic feeling of what D&D is. That doesn't mean they knew necessarily how to play, but I could say, you're going to roll a dice and this is your go-to move and things like that. Kevin is so busy. We never had that conversation. The first time I ever talked to him was 30 minutes before we started the show. So Kevin Smith did not know how to play D&D when he arrived at that set, and he still doesn't know how to play D&D. And that does not change the fact that he is one of the greatest D&D players to have ever played. Yeah. He, he came off amazing. Did you do the Relics Reflections before or after? We did do his before. Before. I could tell because I think he was like, we used that a little <laughs> bit to be like, all right, kind of, here's what I need you to do, kind of play through it, which I thought was really fun. Um, was it? And he, he obviously killed Karen Page in his he arc. Did. And so you're... In comment uh, <laughs> during that where like, uh, maybe I'll kill you this time. Maybe I'll get to kill you yeah, this time. Yeah, how fun was that? So um, <laughs> having him was amazing. So he's he's fun. And bringing Charlie Cox oh. on. Um, how was that? Did he know anything about Because I think you had to do like, like D, there's an ampersand and then dragons. Like yeah. you, it, was fr- it was scratched from the beginning. What was yeah. he like to, to play with? Well, so he knew I played. Um, and I always thought, because I talk about it a lot and I, you know, being the insecure nerd, I always assume that people are super annoyed by me when I talk about D&D. So I had never considered asking him, but I was doing this project and he and I were doing press together for uh, season three of Daredevil. And I mentioned, oh, I got this gig where I'm writing and doing a show and we'll bring celebrities on as a guest. And he said, well, could I be one of those celebrities? And I went, are you kidding me? Of course you can. Do you realize so, that the celebrity has to play D&D, right? Right. <laughs> uh, and he w- he was game right from the start and he did research because, like, again, all I had with him was, like, a little bit of an email 
back and forth about the basic idea of it. And he'd clearly like read through that very carefully and gone for it and done this thing. And he had an accent that he wanted to do and, and really jumped in. And it's interesting because I, I think if you watch his episode, you can see in the beginning he's a little tentative. And then there's a moment where it clicks and he goes, oh, I can do anything and we'll figure it out. And from then on, he's so bold and he takes these little quests on his own and he has ideas. And uh, and I think he realizes that it's in the moment play, mm-hmm. which Charlie is very good at. Uh, so, yeah, it was it meant a lot to me on a personal level that he respected me enough to come on and be a part of it. And I think Seamus will live on in the hearts of us all. Yeah. And I think it was fun. It was fun for me having watched all three mm. and, and having Matt Murdock come on and play <laughs> with Karen Page. It's just a kind of a fun interaction, but it was also fun to know that he had never touched. Yeah. Like he would like, it's always fun to see people who have, who have never touched it. And a lot of people are too nervous. Like you said, like in yeah. the beginning to, to do it before him to like, oh, I'm going to do it on TV with you. Well, and that literally their first role on, that's their first time rolling a D20 in their life. Lives yeah. is on camera, and yeah. I, I just think that's so brave and cool, and is a good uh, inspiration to other people to try it. Yeah, I think brave's a great word. Uh, Matthew Lillard, yay! So Matt, who we we do a ton of stuff with. Yeah. Uh, what was it like playing with him? And he, I mean, he's got a whole <laughs> he's got a whole side hustle with Dungeons <laughs> Dragons that he's building yes. out. So well, he's one of the most supportive people in this in this community that I've met. He, I mean, he even jokes. He's like, I've become your like. D&D manager because he's in touch with all the different people in this world and they'll ask him about me. So he writes me and says, would you be interested in talking to this person or that person or this person? So he's made a lot of connections for me. And he's just a really generous, beautiful soul. Yeah. Uh, he was a perfect person. He was our first guest to be our first guest. And because he knows the game very well, but he's very open. And uh, it really kicked us off on the, the right foot. He uh, he loves your DMing, too. Aww. Like, you can hear him. I've seen lots of videos with him talking <laughs> about how talented you are. Uh, Janina. Yay. Um, Janina was great. Talk about Janina a little bit. So, she's, a, she's an expert. Like, she's the one, she's one of the ones that has have definitely played. She before. played with me before, but she'd never played with anyone else. Oh, really? I introduced her to the game, and she was in my... Uh, homebrew game that we'd been playing for a few years with Tommy and Julia. And so this was her first time playing publicly. Okay. And uh, since then... I think she's played with other people since then, but I'd have to double check. That. She came and she came. She actually came out to the Brooklyn show too. To watch. Yes, yeah, she did. She came out to watch, to watch us. that. So but she knows Ud Karsh as well. Ah, oh, there you go. Uh, so we had a connection. There. Uh, S- Simone from Iron Fist. I, Simone's one of my favorite people, and she was one of those ones where we were trying to come up with other people to play, and I just went, you know, I just, I just know that she'll have the right spirit for this. That she'll be. Again, brave and creative and has a childlike love and, and, and for storytelling. Uh, so just sort of as a shot in the dark, we asked her and she said yes. And she ended up being our finale. Yeah. She came in and played this incredibly inspirational paladin. Um, and one of my favorite moments of the epi- of the whole episode is that she goes on kind of a solo quest. So the others sort of sit back, our regular cast in our finale, sit back for 20 minutes and for that amount of time, she and I go on this like very quiet, stealthy mission that she takes to go scout. And it's beautiful. And she is in there and she's breathing and she gets quiet. And I, awesome. it's such a wonderful, again, tension-filled moment with a player who's never done yeah. this before, but is doing it expertly. 
having gone through those lists, I think we have a show. Like, I've had a show. We should do the Marvel Universe of D&D, <laughs> right? Like, you took so many characters from the shows, which I thought was awesome. Yeah. Of the well, they're people I know. Show. Yeah, totally. Like, friends, right? Yeah. And so the last person is Sam Richardson. Yes, Sam. Who I know kind of through the comedy circuit, through my boyfriend. And uh, he, again, was one of those people where I was like, he just has the right spirit. He's such a, again, a childlike wonder kind of person. And again, just basically I had lunch with him and we went over it very briefly. And I had mentioned that he would be communing with these spirits. And I said, I think what we might do is have it be through uh, an artistic forum. So you could draw something or sing something or dance something. He said, oh, I like the idea of dance. I said, okay. You can do whatever you want. You can either roll and say, I dance. You can roll and describe a dance, or you can roll and you can get up and do a dance. And of course, Sam, being the brave improviser that he is, decided to, he choreographed this dance that he got up and did during our show. And it's magical. (laughs) The show's great. For those who don't know, you can find it on, uh, Mm -hmm. it's on YouTube. It's Uh, on YouTube. You can search Relics and Rarities. It's on the Geek and Sundry channel. Is Mm -hmm. it it anywhere else or is that? It's also on Geek and Sundry's channel on Twitch. Okay. There you you have that. And that'll have some extra content, things that we've done, specials, if you're The show is great. Uh, the last thing I wanted to bring up before you took off was tell me a little bit about uh, you do a lot of stuff on eBay. You're doing yeah. a lot of charity stuff for EJ. We talk a little bit about uh, what you do and what what you're what you're supporting. Yeah. Um. So my I guess my husband. Uh. I don't know, it's so weird to say that I like boyfriend better. I was struggling because <laughs> you there's there's husbands and then there's a lot of references for boyfriend. So I was gonna let I you, go back do, and forth. How do we go with it? Yeah, I go yeah. back and forth. I mean, we were together eleven years before we married. Well, I was with my wife eleven years. Oh, before there you go. Married, so so yeah. I don't know and. And I don't know, boyfriend is kind of more romantic to me for some reason. There you go. My John, I met Johnny was stressing out. Should we say <laughs> should we say husband or boyfriend? And he was like researching and I was like, Oh, that's so sweet of you. She'll she'll address it. I'll go back and forth. I either either one is accurate. Um so he yeah, so he um has an eye condition called choroideremia and it's hereditary, so it it's through his whole family. And uh, essentially, he's losing his sight slowly over time. Uh, he is currently legally blind. Uh, but th- what a lot of people don't know is that there is no treatment or cure for most forms of blindness. Uh, so we do a lot of auctions. A lot of the shows and the people that I work with are very generous, as you guys have been as well, uh, with uh, giving us things that we can auction. So um, he's actually mostly in charge of that. He All those posts that you see sure. promoting, he's doing a great job of doing that. And, uh, con- you know, he runs the eBay auctions. And, um, you know, it's just really, it's really nice because he, this fame, I guess, or whatever comes with celebrity is you don't really know what good it does for you. I mean, for me in my career, all it does is sort of make me... Uh, next job. <laughs> yeah, that, that I'm... I'm exciting maybe to someone for the next job. It doesn't really do a lot for you personally necessarily. So the fact that you could kind of take it and use it for this and and make it build it into something really really meaningful uh is a, is a it's really it's a privilege, you know. Yeah. He's pretty amazing. So He's today an incredible person. Uh, today is my 4th anniversary of running my first half marathon. Yeah. I told my, wife, my wife got me into running. So 4 years ago today was my first half marathon and then I had you in and I looked at EJ. <laughs> <laughs> what is so talk to people what has EJ accomplished in the running so, world? So, uh EJ himself would say that he's not an athlete. He has never been. Yeah, right. Right. Uh but he trained and he ran 12 marathons in 1 year for charity. And uh, because he's extremely light sensitive, he runs them blindfolded with a guide. 
Uh, and we actually made a little documentary about it, which you can find on iTunes. It's called Running Blind. Uh, so it's all about his experience doing those 12 marathons. And since then, he has also run uh, in one year a marathon on each continent. Uh, so that's an exciting... So amazing. <laughs> or a half marathon. I think he did have to downgrade to Do- half marathon. Doesn't matter. A couple of times. Doesn't it's still matter. extremely <laughs> yeah, difficult. Whatever. Uh, 13, 26, whatever. Yeah, whatever it is. It's it's enormous and scary. Uh, so yes, yeah, so he's done a lot of that, and that's all been sort of in service of raising funds and awareness. That's awesome. How do, how do, um, how do people... How can people support? Yeah, so on any of my social media channels, you can find uh, links and access to any of that, but uh, you can support the Foundation Fighting Blindness, or you can go to the Choroideremia Research Foundation. So that's curechm.org, uh, or I think ffb.org. Cool. Thank you for coming out here. Thank this you. means a this lot. So, so much fun. We have a lot of things coming in 2020. I know that we're going to start talking about uh, <laughs> a lot of big things. And I so am not done with Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, that's we're very for sure. excited. So <laughs> thank you again. Thank you. 